Welcome to the Queer Fitness Podcast. I'm your host, Elise, and each week I'll be interviewing a queer person about their experiences in fitness and sports. This week, I interviewed Hapkido instructor Natalie Kretschmer. The Queer Fitness Podcast is co-produced by Eden Robinson. This episode of the Queer Fitness Podcast is sponsored by our Patreon. For $1 a month or more, you can become a patron of the show and get access to bloopers, bonus content, or even become a co-producer. Find out more at patreon.com slash queerfitnesspod. Could you introduce yourself? Uh, your name, your queer identity, and any other identifying words about you. Cool. Uh, well, I'm Natalie Kretschmer. Um, f- t- the kids call me either Instructor Natalie or Miss Natalie, even though I'm supposed to go by my last name nice. because Kretschmer is a the worst yeah, to you spell. Would, you wouldn't want to be Miss K. <laughs> no, not really. And like, it, I don't expect five year olds to be able to ex- spell my name right. because I couldn't spell it till I was like. <laughs> nine right <laughs> so it it yeah um i guess i would identify as like either gay or a lesbian i'm not really one for like labels it's just not something that i have needed for myself I, and i fully appreciate the yeah. how they help other people right. but it's just not a, i'm a gay human well and that's why i ask you yeah, exactly instead of like exactly. assuming or yeah um and i use uh she her pronouns and that's pretty much it um i would say i don't know how else would i identify myself that's tricky i'm actually you wouldn't be able to tell it by looking at me but i'm actually a quarter korean so that is a a strong part of my identity and it's why i do the martial art that i do it's a korean martial art so um and yeah so let's talk about the korean heritage was there like a that then was doing martial arts or was it just like um, encouraged to do it actually i was trying to do martial arts for a long time when i was a kid yeah but my mom wouldn't let me because i was the most like non-committal child on earth yeah. you know i'd be super into something for like a week and then never touch it again so she didn't want me to do martial arts because usually most traditional martial arts schools require like a year-long contract right. so she was like eh. And, and, like, payment up front for the gear. Yeah, or, like, yeah, and um, that was back in the day, because now at our school we do, um, we do, like, a longer trial program so that you actually have a little more time to decide. Right. But back in the day it was, like, you get, like, three weeks in a uniform for, like, $100, and she was like, yeah, no, we're not doing that. <laughs> and it, so it took a while. But, um, no, no one did any martial arts. I mean, my grandfather, he's the on my mom's side, my grandfather is, um, is Korean, and when he was growing up, in South Korea. He's 94, so he was growing up under, um, under Japanese occupation. So he did a little bit of, like, um, like, kendo when he was in school, Mm -hmm. but he didn't do any, any traditional martial arts because it kind of was illegal. Right. A little bit, um, a little bit punishable by prison time and what have you. Um, so no one, no one did martial arts. I'm actually, like, I'm the only one in my family who's ever, who's ever done any of that. Um, but definitely the Korean heritage influenced which one I chose I was like I want to do like taekwondo or something and then um we realized that a friend of mine Miles who um he actually now is a stuntman but he was um but Miles actually I've known him since I was born because our parents both worked in film at the time 
And, um, or I guess my mom didn't anymore, but you know, they, that's how they met each other. And he had been taking classes at that school since he was about six years old. And I was like 13 when I started, 13, 14. And we were like, oh yeah, like Miles goes here. So like, why why not try it out? Because we knew he really liked it. And it was also a Korean martial art. And, uh, now it's nine years later and here I am. Yeah. (laughs) How have you changed with martial arts over the past nine years? Ooh, that's a... Yeah, I'm bringing another anecdote. So at the end of every belt test, we um, we read out the names of all the kids, and they come up and receive their belts and receive their score sheet at some yeah. point, so they know how well they did. And um, before I was leaving for college, because when I when I went to college, I went to UNC Chapel Hill, so like two hours away, yeah. not not close enough that I could go in and still teach classes. Um, so like the summer before I left, uh, we were like the last belt test. I was like, oh, can I read the names? And everyone at the head table, like my boss, Miles, Tyler, they all were like, they all kind of laughed. And I was like, what? And my boss was like, dude, do you you think like, do any of you at this table think that if you thought of Natalie at her first class, she would someday want to read a group, a list of names in front of a giant group of people? And the answer would be no. Because my first class was a lot of like looking at the ground and like trying something and be like, I can't do it. And, And so I've definitely gotten a lot more confident that's a huge one right, yeah. just in the fact that there, I, I have a set of things that I definitely know how to do now and I have kind of a sphere of of the world that I can kind of understand is, is my sphere of the world and right. have a little expertise in. And also being in a position, so I started teaching, well, in quotes, teaching right. for like almost like barely a year after I started. Oh, okay. Um, that's when like when as an adult student because I started when I was thirteen. You're technically an adult, ish. Um, but you're in the adult program. Um, you can start teaching after about a year because um, like mostly you're just like fetching targets and holding things right. for people. But um, but then you 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 learn and you get better and you and you start teaching. So I've been I've been actually teaching actually teaching for probably about like six years seven years but I've been helping with classes for eight and I think putting being in like a leadership position or putting like a really quiet kid in the leadership position can can really help because especially like I'm I'm the younger of two siblings and my sister was always the one who was like in charge yeah and was always right and she was also always bigger than me so she always won and so I think putting someone who is usually in the in the position of being kind of like overpowered right. in a position of power can either be really good or really bad and in my case hopefully it was really good <laughs> so I think, yeah i mean yeah you're still continuing to teach so I yeah i like my little students um, my children's. so that, like i started lifting when i was in college i didn't do any of that in high school i yeah. was just doing doing pure martial arts and nothing else which for the most part it'll it'll get you where you need to go but like, like I was saying with, like, Miles and Tyler, like, they, you, you have your direct techniques, which is, like, all of your actual technique, that, right. like, your kicks, your self-defense techniques, your rolls, your joint locks, your what have you, but um, there's also a school of techniques that we call indirect techniques, and those are everything that will make your technique better right. without actually practicing it directly, all right? So, um, like, physical exercise of any kind, right. meditation... We actually, um, any, any student who comes through the belts actually has to memorize a list of categories of indirect techniques. It's all it's seven of them. And, um, so 
that's, I think, probably was the biggest change in my martial arts career is, like, realizing, oh, yeah, like, I actually should exercise and, like, <laughs> lift weights. Outsider. <laughs> yeah, like, and now I try and do that a lot more. Um, sometimes to the detriment of practicing direct techniques, but, you know. So... Maybe this should have been earlier on, but what belt are you? Oh, yeah, that, that would make some sense. So I'm actually, I'm a second degree black belt um, under the uh, United States Korean Martial Arts Federation. And um, I'm going for third degree probably about next summer, which is fun. I'm going to treat it like a marathon and just yeah. start like hardcore training about six months out. And uh, because the way we do, especially high level belt tests, they're really just pressure tests and yeah. tests that we push you to your absolute limit. Right. Um, with a lot of, um, like with my second degree belt test, actually, we, um, they had me do a lot of stuff that I just had not done before. So, um, we do, um, what we call flipping. Basically it's a, it's a break fall, but you jump and you flip over and you essentially land on your back in a position that's meant to like protect all of your vital organs and bones and stuff. Um, and at black belt tests, we have students and every belt test after black belt, we have students flip on a piece of plywood, basically. Um, and the reason is not to see if they're going to hurt themselves. It's this thick, it's like yeah. half inch plywood over three inches of foam. They're not going to hurt themselves. They may come out with, come out of it with a couple of bruises, but, um, the main thing is it's like a mental thing, right? Yeah. So, um, the idea is when are you going to have to use your flip, you know, when you're riding your bike and you flip over the handlebars or right. when you're walking down the stairs and you fall, right? We have, like, we have to make sure that at any belt test, any technique you do is going to be usable in a, in a situation where you're tired, you're scared, you're full of adrenaline, you're freaking out and you're just not expecting yeah. it. Um, so they made me flip onto the board off of about a four foot tall pile of mats. Yeah. <laughs> which I had never done before. <laughs> and that was fun. Um, cause I like, they make, they make other people do it, but I didn't think my flipping was good enough for, for them to have me do it. And my boss was like, pull the mats out. And I was like, okay, all right, I can do like one stack. And he was like, no, 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 all of them. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and literally Miles was sitting at the head table and he looked over him and at, at my boss and he was like, are you sure? <laughs> and he was like, yeah. And I did it and I didn't die. And it only sucked a little bit cause I got like a tiny bruise, but yeah, it wasn't that bad. <laughs> so we try and push people to their their absolute limits, so that third degree test is gonna be fun. It's gonna be real fun. Um, did you ever have to come out to your dojang or any of your students or parents of students, or were you already out oh, at thirteen yeah. or like? So fun story. Was... I didn't know I was gay until I was twenty one. <laughs> that's also pretty normal yeah, too. Um, so I, you know, I started working there when I was thirty. I should have known. Like, I'm gonna be real. I should... That's the thing that I should have realized. My mom knew, my sister knew, everyone knew. <laughs> like, it's the kind of thing that, like, if anyone expresses surprise, I'm just like, are you, really? Yeah. Like, did you not know? But, um, so, I, I didn't, I, like, I've, I've never had to, like, explicitly come out to, to anyone. I mean, like, I told my mom, yeah. but, like, and my sister. Yeah. And, like, my dad, kind of. I was like, except with my dad, it was more like, oh, I have a girlfriend. He was like, okay. <laughs> um, and say, kind of same thing with, like, my boss, yeah. who's, like, a pseudo dad at this point. Um, I was like, oh, yeah, this is my girlfriend. She's come to belt test dinner. He's like, oh, cool. What's your name? And she was like, oh, yeah. I'm Katie. Yeah. And that kind of thing. Um, so not really, but there's always kind of that, I, that understanding that, like, we are in the South. Right. In the Bible belts. Right. And I am teaching children. 
Um, so there, I always am a little more reserved, especially when we get like grandparents bringing, bringing kids in. But I also have a rainbow wash band that I wear all the time. Yeah. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. It's kind of nice that I like, it's, it's one of those things and like, this is my, my diabolical plan is like, I wear this all the time. Right. Um, my kid, like all of my students, sometimes I call them my kids because <laughs> some of them are at this point, right. like, let's be real. Some of them are, but, um, all of my all of my students know me for this wash band at this point. I've been wearing it for like four years, five years now, um, and uh, that like it's the kind of thing that like I want them if they don't understand now to realize when they're older. Like, oh, <laughs> got it. Yeah. Um, especially since so I'm actually. They'd be like. I didn't know any gay women when I grew up. Yeah. Like, oh, wait, wait, I think I did. Yeah, I definitely <laughs> did. did. Yeah. yeah, you definitely did, buddy. <laughs> and there's also, you know, I have this one student who... Kids say the weirdest thing sometimes, I yeah. swear. Like, we have... Um, there's another girl. She uh, she always has, like, the weirdest kid interactions. Like, she'll come up to you and be like, um, this kid... Uh, he just licked my eyeball. What do I do? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what you do. Why do all these things happen to you? And she's had like two kids ask her. She's like, kids will be like, why are you a girl? She's like, I don't know. Um, I've had a couple kids do that to me too. The weirdest one I've had is this one kid. He asked me, or he asked me how old I was, you yeah. know, because kids don't understand age. I've had kids think that I'm 12 and also that I'm 90. Like I've literally had kids say, you're probably like 90. Yeah. And um she uh so or like this one this one kid he asked me how old I was and at the time I was like 20, 21. Yeah. Something like that. And he was like oh, you're like 20? That means you're going to have to get married soon. And I was like what? Oh. What? <laughs> like what are you talking about? And so I had this whole long conversation with him about the fact and he was like seven at the time yeah i had this whole long conversation with him about the fact that no one has to get married ever right and he specifically said i was like why do you think i have to get married he was like well because you're a girl and i was like okay second of all (laughs) why do only girls have to get married and also if only girls are getting married who do you think they're marrying (laughs) it's always interesting to deal with especially in like like martial arts is a still a very like gendered thing you know um like most of most of my students are boys but here's the thing most of my high level students are actually girls yeah i've heard that before (laughs) yeah yeah because um so like boys get put in martial arts because their parents want them to do something and it's like high energy yeah and get all it out exactly and they or they want they have like behavioral issues and so they just throw them in martial arts but most of the girls who are in martial arts are there because they want to be there, yeah. which, is, you know, so basically most high belt classes are about 50-50 split, which is, which is really nice. So, um, yeah, a lot of the younger and beginner belts and the very beginner students are, like, male. But it's, it, it's kind of a, a weird thing to be in that position and just not care. Right. <laughs> like, I gotta... And especially in a martial art where you don't have to be the bigger, stronger person. Um, that's what I always, like, tell, especially, like, adult students who are starting. I always I always make sure that, like, anyone who's coming in kind of understands that, like, it, you you will have the ability to defend yourself against someone bigger. Right. But also someone smaller. Have any students come out to you but or 
has that happened or have there been any other like mm. questions or not not too many yeah. um again i'm only 23 and i realized i was yeah. gay when i was 21 <laughs> so it hasn't been that long yeah um but yeah not too oh, so many wa- wearing the watch band for longer yeah <laughs> yeah again i should have known right but i did not i had my suspicions right. they were just confirmed when i was 21 okay. but um no i haven't had to like it's it's just a lot of um like casually mentioning like oh yeah like my girlfriend doing this this and this and having some kids go huh <laughs> having yeah. some kids not care um oh, yeah. actually I do, I do have a student who um, came out to me, but not in the school right. after he had quit. So he, he came out as trans after he had quit classes. And right. part of the reason he had quit classes was because he wasn't comfortable making right. that transition in that space. And I, I, I wish that there was something I could do about that, but the, the, um, I, I just don't have enough authority right. over it. And yeah. also, you know, things like changing rooms and bathrooms... We don't really have much control over, yeah. and that's always that's always rough. Um, although, but yeah, we're still friends. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what is your favorite part of Hapkido? Oh man, that's tough. <laughs> um, I don't know. I I like uh, you know, if we're talking about like technique wise, sure. my favorite thing is like self defense. I like the more like soft style stuff because I'm not. Again, I have asthma, um, so I'm not a huge, I'm not a like a quick sparer. Um, I'm more of the type of person who'd rather like kick them once, grab their arm, and pull it off of their body, that yeah, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so that's more that's more my strategy. If you're talking about technique, I like uh, I like a lot of joint locks and stuff like that, and pressure points. Those are always fun because yeah. uh, um, they're just they're just fun little bits. But um, and I like I like having those concepts and like getting more familiar with concepts that let me um examine technique further and like extrapolate new technique and and a better understanding of technique just from understanding another one sure Uh, it's it's like it's all like a big puzzle game it's really fun um and but also i think concept wise the reason i've probably stayed so long is just i like feeling secure at all times you know um like i like not minding that i'm walking home alone at night sure you know i carry it's, a little stick with me other parts of your life exactly yeah. yeah and i like um uh i don't know like when i realized i was gay i was like oh shit well i'm glad i already know self-defense that's nice <laughs> so the more dangerous parts of the country and world are slightly less dangerous by virtue of the fact that uh, i can protect myself yeah. and um yeah, I don't know. Like, I've always liked being prepared. Like, I'm a very practical person. Yeah. You know, I've my uh, my friends called me, like, squad dad because I always have, like, a first aid kit in my backpack. Yeah. And, like, and I'm really good at opening jars. That's the other reason. But, um, but I've always liked being prepared in any given situation. And, like, like I have a road safety kit in my car. I have a first aid kit. Yeah. I have, um, I'm prepared for most things just by virtue of what I have learned over the years. And I just, I like that feeling of having something to do in any situation, especially a situation where someone is trying to hurt me. Right. I like, um, I like being relatively prepared, you know, like any good martial artist will tell you that there's no such thing as like full preparation, you know, but I like having like understanding enough 
to get me by. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, like under like knowing pretty securely and pretty confidently that I don't know nothing. You know, is is nice. So yeah. since coming out, mm-hmm. has that like affected your experience in the? I mean, like I know we talked about like sort of. <clears throat> like, talking to people about being gay or queer or whatever, mm-hmm. um, but, like, your experience in your own body with the sport or sort mm-hmm. of, like, inwardly reflecting on your... your <laughs> That's a good question. ...your queer experience and how yeah. maybe it affects your training or hapkido or yeah. whatever. Yeah, so, um, so fun fact. I realized that I was some flavor of gay mm-hmm. um, while I was taking this class called The Psychology of Sex and Gender, um... Not because of the class, because of a girl in the class, but, you know, it, <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. Um, and uh, so it was a really, really interesting class. Um, we did a lot of, like, deep conversation about, like, everything relating to sex and gender. Yeah. And, like, we looked at it from a cognitive standpoint. Uh, we looked at it from a social standpoint. Um, and it, it was just a really nice, like, high-level, like, free-form, open discussion class. Yeah. Um, and with a really... I really like my professor. Um, his name is Patrick, and he, for a uh, like straight cis white man, he did a very good job of making sure that the floor was open to right. discussion, and that he like prefaced pretty much everything with the fact that like this is not my experience. This is what the general consensus right. is. Or if you ra- have or the range of experiences. yeah, exactly. And um, so I think in realizing that I was gay, it was kind of, it was a slightly freeing experience in that, um, in my martial arts training and also in just, like, my general fitness journey and what have you, um, I've always been less focused on the things that are traditionally focused on by females in the fitness world, um, and it was just kind of, like, it was a freeing thing to just not have to explain that to people or not have to justify that right. to people. Um, because there's this, there's this kind of wiggle room now of, like, if I go to the gym and decide that, like, I would just want to get swole, like, yeah. not I'm not trying to do, like, the, the like, fitness influencer Instagram kind of thing that, yeah. like, um, that is traditionally expected of women in gyms. Right. Um like, I'm just not, ha- just being, like, casually being like, yeah, my girlfriend did this. Yeah, like, Rainbow Wish Botch, go Pride. Yeah. Right? It kind of takes the question out of people, essentially. Right. Um, and that was something that I, in when I was younger, was always kind of, like, questioning and, like, kind of struggled with was this idea that, like, no, I don't really want to be, like, the the traditional image of a of a woman. Right. I would much rather be, like the like more traditionally masculine traits are the are kind of what i tend to pursue in in fitness goals um and it's kind of it's kind of freeing to not have again to not have to justify it to people um but at the same time it kind of makes me sad because i'm like well but but it doesn't have to be because i'm gay it could just like i like this is part of being a woman and that's why uh, another thing that I, I, I kind of came across when I was sort of grappling with labels and yeah. um, and how to identify myself as a part of the like queer community is that like a lot of people in my in my position who present their gender the same way I do would identify as non-binary mm-hmm. and I have 
specifically chosen not to do that because I don't think that existing outside of the binary expectations of, like, womanhood make me not a woman. Right. And so that is kind of, that that's the thing that I've always sort of wrestled with in, like, the goals that I have for my body and my physical ability and, and like, kind of who I am. Yeah. Because I don't want it to be because I'm gay, I go to the gym and lift weights the the same program that some men use right. like i'd much rather it just be like this is just the person that i am I mean, yeah, yeah yeah you know yeah. and and i feel like there's a lot of still there's still a lot of stigma around like getting stronger and building muscle for for women in fitness of or um or like females in fitness or non-binary feminine presenting people in fitness yeah um and I think, like, that, like, 20s thing where they literally used to tell women, if you, like, lift weights in the gym, your babies will turn out ugly. Like, it was actually a thing that yeah. they told people. Yeah. And I'm so mad that it has, per- like, persisted to this day. And I still try and tell people that I talk to, you know, like, um, like I try and tell my mom these things. And, yeah. like, my sister and my girlfriend and, like, everyone that I encounter who's trying to, like, lose weight or do what yeah. have you. I'm like... Build muscle. It will burn fat. Yeah. That's what just... Yeah. That's what you do. Yeah. And, um... I... It... I just don't... I don't like the... The the, the gendering of strength has prevented a lot of... A lot of people from getting to their fitness goals in any way. And especially because, like, muscle is so important to have. Especially when you are aging and you're losing muscle mass and you... And you want to maintain your health and your joint health and your bone health... Like, it, it can help you so much. And, yeah, like, I like I like that idea of being able to be the strong person right. when, some, when people need it. Um, so that's, what it's, that's what's always interested me about the fitness world. Yeah. And How do you stay motivated? Mm-hmm. Or do you have any advice for people either trying to, like, continue or starting as new? Your mm-hmm. advice. Oh, oh lord. To either continuing students or new students. Hmm. Okay. From personal experience. Personal experience. Okay. That's, that's tough. Okay. So the first thing that I always tell all of my students when they're feeling discouraged, because my all, my, um, in my personal experience, the thing that has always held me back was just the fear of failure and the fear of not looking like I don't know what I'm doing. And, and, um, so the, I stole it from Adventure Time and I tell it to people a lot now. Um, being bad at something is the first step to being good at something because it's a step yeah. towards doing something. Yeah. You know, Jake the dog, Adventure Time. Perfect practice makes perfect. Practice doesn't make perfect. Perfect practice makes perfect. But, you know, still, like, you just, you just do it, do it over and over again, you know? Just kind of, just do something because, uh, and I don't know, I, I would say because I, I can no longer discount, like, fitness as a part of my life. Right. Because I realize, like, that's the best way to maintain, like, self-respect, if that makes sense. Yeah. And not in the way of, like, I don't feel good about myself if I don't go to the gym. It's more like, I don't feel like I've taken care of my body if I don't exercise. Right. Okay, so, I had a recommendation for my sister to play a fun game at the end of every single episode. Ooh, I like games. Can I ask you some 
trivia question? Sure. Um, so I have two pages of trivia in front of me. One is Hapkido trivia, Ooh. and one is queer trivia, sort of USA focused. Okay. All right. All right. All and right. I'll alternate between the two. Let's see how do how good I do at that. My dad always said I should go on trivia because yeah. I know a bunch of random facts. Like, did you know you can crawl through the air order of a blue whale? No. Yeah, you can. Um, also, Mickey Mouse was invented by you know Walt Disney, and Walt Disney had a fear of mice. Um, also, it used to be in 17th century France, it used to be fashionable to wear uh, uh, lightning rods on your head every time you walked outside. So, I, ha- I know stuff like that. It's completely useless. Yeah. So we'll see I if mean, I know the, stuff the big that's. Boats, I would think those sort of act as a. Yeah, like... you know, I don't know. But they... I don't think normal people actually wear exactly. Those. Yeah. Uh, so. Trivia with Natalie. Trivia. <laughs> um, so, Hapkido trivia first. Who was the creator of Hapkido? Well, that depends. Okay, so yeah. we, we acknowledge... But I have two I have two names. You, you may, those names may be right. So, um, Cho Yong-sul is generally credited with the foundation of the martial art as a whole. Um, Ji Han-jae was the 14th black belt who, who uh, trained under Cho Yong-sul. He's still alive. He wears a golden belt. He's also in Game of Death with Bruce Lee. And um, he is generally credited with balancing the soft style techniques with kicking because he had a like taekwondo background um and he's also the one who is generally considered to have coined the name hapkido yeah yes good job that is uh, our orange belt oral valuation <laughs> <Nice>. stuff <laughs> um and a queer trivia question what was the first lesbian magazine published in the usa i do not know let's see hold on wait 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 or could you guess a year I'm going to guess the 30s. No. Um, so the first one was Vice Versa in 1947, but oh. I would have also accepted the latter in 1956, which was much more popular. Okay. And had, like, a group of women behind it in San Francisco. Nice. That's dope. That's good yeah. to know. Yeah. So we'll go back to the easier for you, I guess, oh, yeah. Hapkido question. Probably. <laughs> Probably easier. When or where... Or when... When and where was the first dojang in the Hapkido dojang in the U.S.? In the U.S. Ooh, well, I, well, I know that. I can um, give you a hint. Well, actually, no, I, I can't. It probably would have been sometime in the '70s, but um, I know, for example, in our federation, mm-hmm. there are some people who say that the grandmaster of our federation is the first non-Korean to earn a black belt in Hapkido. He doesn't know that for sure. I don't know that for sure. Right. No one really does. But it was pretty early. He earned his black belt in like 63. Um, so I can for sure tell you that he started his school in the 70s. But really? uh, yeah, but I'm not sure if... Um, that. So I'm, again, like, <laughs> I don't know the entire history and I was just sort of trying to pull some trivia oh, yeah, questions. Yeah. But I got 1984 mm. in da- Daily City, which is near San Francisco. Okay. And it was Ooh. like one of the descendants or like one of the students of Chan Yong Sul. Yeah. That would be um Oh I had I was name? like I was about to be like, I could pull the name up, but then I was just like I probably closed my Yeah, no, that's um that would probably be the first like what what would have been at the time considered be like the Um, so yeah, the microphone cut off. Yeah. Now it's back on. It's uh, we got most of the trivia. I'm not gonna have you redo trivia because yeah we asked questions about queer history and i got them wrong it's you fine. got all the hapkido questions right i'm still a baby and, gay <laughs> and and next time i play trivia with somebody i will remember to plug in my computer so it doesn't die it's fine 
where should people find you if they want to know more? But yeah, my Instagram is uh, big old mango with underscores between the words. So B-I-G underscore O-L underscore mango. And um, I literally have zero posts. So not the most fruitful Instagram account. Or the, um, web, the website for your yeah. martial arts. Yeah, um, there's, there's, uh, it's just WilmingtonMartialArts.com. That's like the marketing website. You can also go on our Facebook page. We post a lot of like pictures and videos of like belt tests and things like that there. And like, if you also, if you just search Cape for Martial Arts Center, you'll find it. Yeah. Um, and uh, just come in and watch some classes. And yeah. Awesome. Thank you. No problem. I'm good at talking a lot. The Queer Fitness Podcast is co-produced by Eden Robinson. This episode of the Queer Fitness Podcast is sponsored by our Patreon. For $1 a month or more, you can become a patron of the show and get access to bloopers, bonus content, or even become a co-producer. Find out more at patreon.com slash queerfitnesspod.